place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where the no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics now This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Pop Up Tea. Check out their huge, mungus, ginormical selection of nerdy, fun t-shirts at popuptea.com. They have a shirt for every nerdy thing you could possibly think of. I'm serious. Use the promotional code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you'll get 25% off of any shirt order on popuptea.com. Even the clearance stuff, which is already so low in price. But go and check them out and thank you to our sponsor, Pop Up Tea. Go check them out at popuptea.com. Aloha, everybody. This is the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 257. I'm your host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for joining us here. You are in for something special. Your uh, treats are uh, coming your way. Uh, this is an interview with myself and an amazing comic book creator named Brenton Lengel. He is the creator of Snow White Zombie Apocalypse, a comic that he was so nice, uh, nice enough to send it to me. Uh, and, and I read them in a fury, and with furious anger, and it was fantastic. And I only support and interview creators that I that I highly respect, and I have to really love their comics. So here you go, without further ado, me, myself, and Brenton Lingle of Snow White Zombie Apocalypse. Alrighty, I am here with Brenton Lingle. Uh, how you doing, Brenton? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> Oh, man. Brenton is the creator of the comic book Snow White Zombie Apocalypse that we're going to talk about. If you haven't seen it, go get it. It's on Kickstarter. We'll get to the links at the very end. We're going to talk to this man, this comic book creator, and get inside your brain. And and I'm sure we'll nerd out a bit. And uh, you ready to have a little fun and have a little chit-chat? Absolutely. I'm really excited. Well, uh, first off, uh, not to start on a dark note, but like, you know, how are you doing? How are your loved ones doing in, uh, in this world and everything we're going through in COVID and and so on. How are you? How are you hunkered? How are you bunkered? You know, I'm doing really well, actually. Um, I was lucky enough um, to I moved out of Manhattan right before COVID hit. Oh. And um, that was it was funny because I like I felt like there was something coming for the city. <laughs> I didn't know what it was, but um, we got out like right beforehand. And uh, as a result, um, you know, I, we've been pretty safe, which is great because my wife is high risk. Uh, so I've been, um, you know, um, I, I've been very aggressive about like locking down and masks always, washing hands. I got one of those um, electric uh, like lights, the, the UV wands. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I've been using that to like sanitize mail and stuff. Oh yeah, Clorox and I are a friend, but I've been wanting to go that route because it's just so less chemicals, right? Even the uh, that that UV lighting, I, I guess I want to try it all. Uh, you know, I I'm, I'm with you. Absolutely, I'm, yeah. I'm glad your loved ones are all safe. Everybody's good. You guys are okay. Yeah, um, we're good. Um, I, my son is two, and he's happy. You know. Um, he was supposed to start preschool this year, and that didn't happen. Um, but you know, at the same time, um, you know, I one of the reasons I became an artist beyond like I was just built to do that uh, was you know my father when I was young was working quite a lot, and uh, I sort of got it internalized into my head that's kind of that like nine to five job was just not a great way to live. 
Um, and so I wanted to make sure to to be there for my son. And, you know, thanks to COVID and the people that support uh, Swaza um, and, you know, some of my other work, uh, that's been positive. It's been possible. And yeah, so in, in, a, in a lot of ways, in a, in a funny way, um, I think I was uniquely set up to weather <laughs> COVID. Um, so I, I'm very grateful for that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, a lot of the comic book creators I create to aren't just aren't built for the nine to five, the eight to five Monday through Friday. And and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to dip my toes in there with you, so I I completely understand. So yeah, you're you're way better uh, equipped, and uh, you know that you're a creator, you're an artist, right? To to just being hunkered down <laughs> in your in your basement or whatever it may be, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it would have been it would have been bad if I was still in in Harlem where I used to live, just because you know um, you know I, I love New York City. It's great to get out of New York City. Um, but um, like in my building, just we're just stacked on top of each other like sardines. Yeah. Um, and so like my whole apartment like could probably fix fit inside my my living room now. So like even if you tried to uh, social distance in New York, even if you tried to avoid the stuff with the lockdowns, like it, it, there's a reason it spread so fast in New York and it's because of how the city is set up. Yeah, I, I I hope uh, and pray all uh, gets better. Let's I'll I'll take five of the vaccines. Just give me a six pack of them. I'll I'll take them every week or whatever. <laughs> My wife first, so uh, you know mm -hmm. she, she's a frontline worker, and so uh, yeah. And I've been laid off for a good amount of time, and and so working more on my comics. So yeah, I I, uh, I hope uh, you guys uh, stay healthy, stay well, and and I'm glad to hear that. That's you know a lot of people are being affected in crazy negative ways. So I'm good that. Uh, all is well with you, man. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I don't, we've never met uh, physically. So I'd love to know like a little bit about where you're from. You lived your whole life on the East coast. That kind of where you're from New York, born and bred. Um, so I'm actually a military brat. Um, I was born in Naples, Italy, um, and raised my first two years of my life in Catania, Sicily. Um, and then, uh, my father was, uh, an officer in the U S Navy. Um, and, uh, then we moved to the United States and um, he uh, went into civilian life and uh, we, we moved around a lot. Uh, we were in Pennsylvania, then Northern Virginia, then uh, Kentucky, then I uh, lived to Ohio to Kentucky again. Um, and then I uh, hiked the Appalachian Trail, Maine to Georgia, and um, then moved to New York City. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. And moved so, to New York City when you were in your uh, early 20s? And, uh, uh, mid to late 20s. Um, yeah. So. Let me see. Uh, so I went to the University of Kentucky uh, and got a degree in theater. Um, and uh, while I was, uh, I had a theatrical, like I was supposed to work on a play this one summer and the job fell through. And so what I decided to do was hike the Appalachian Trail. Uh, so I did the first 600 miles of the AT in 2006. My dad dropped me off like just south of Waynesboro, or I'm sorry, just south of uh, Gatlinburg. And I walked north for 54 days to Waynesboro, Virginia, a little over 600 miles, at wow. which point I called my mom and said, Mom, I'm not going back to college. I'm going to stay and finish the Appalachian Trail. She said, absolutely not. <laughs> so... I went back, I finished my last year in college and um, worked as kind of a small time actor uh, in and around the Midwest, uh, in uh, especially out of like uh, right around Cincinnati. 
Um, I was in a play called uh, Tecumseh out of Chillicothe, Ohio, um, which was amazing. Um, really a lot of fun. Best summer job I've had in quite quite some time. And then that ended and I wound up working at a rock and roll and sketch comedy dinner theater uh, in in Cincinnati. <laughs> it was like yeah. it was. Yeah, wow. it was like SNL, but it, it wasn't funny. And we said the, the F word a lot. <laughs> so it was like <laughs> SNL, but we said the F word a lot. <laughs> That absolutely sounds like a crazy blast. You should do a comic of that. You know, I wrote a uh, I, I wrote a series, a comedy series called Dinner and a Show, and I might I could totally adapt that into a comic now. I just realized. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, maybe that'll be my next project. Um, Consider me a yeah. writer or a consultant. I could give you info. I worked at the Improv for a very long time, and so you know we, we had a little oh, similar. Great. So yeah. you also have a theatrical background. Yeah, that's wonderful. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I was, and it, it's interesting because we were talking beforehand, you were talking about, you know, difficulties in your life and driving your creativity. And like, so what happened was, was I was about a year into a contract with this dinner theater and uh, a really dear friend of mine, like I had been the guy from the crappy town we'd been living in, in Kentucky. Um, I'd been the guy who went off to be the the big time big time uh, professional artist. And he stayed back in this town to sort of uh, mentor the next generation of, of freaks that we had, he even at a writer's group called the Shadow Scribes. And um, I heard that he, he he passed away in his sleep at like 25 years of age, oh. five days before I turned 25. And this thing just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, you know, that happens to you at that age. You know, what, are you going to go do a musical? Um, so yeah. I, I went to my bosses and I was like, you know, um, my friend is dead. I am out of my mind at the moment and I feel like I really need to finish the Appalachian trail. So, you know, can I have a sabbatical and, uh, I'll come back and finish out my contract, um, once this is, uh, done. And they said, you know, we, we hate to see you go, but you know, we don't want to keep you here. Uh, so they gave me the sabbatical and, um, Started hiking from uh, Waynesboro, Virginia in May of 2008. Uh, so I went from Waynesboro all the way up to uh, Katahdin in Maine. Uh, I, I summited in August, then went down to the old town. I started as uh, John Proctor in a local production of The Crucible. And then the woman who would eventually become my wife drove me down to finish the last 300 miles of the AT. And I, I hiked uh, Hot Springs, North Carolina, all the way down to um, Springer Mountain in Georgia and finished wow. it up. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I did that. I got to the end of it. I was like, uh, well, I'm not afraid of anything anymore. Uh, time to move to New York. And <laughs> so in 2009, you know, I got off the uh, I got off the train uh, in Manhattan and found an apartment and you know lived there until very very recently uh, up in Harlem. Wow. How do you, how do you feel that uh, a theater background, theater in school, was your focus? And then this journey you went on, this this like a uh, spirit journey, this whatever you want to call it, this pilgrimage, this uh, you know, yeah. to, uh, to the Appalachian Trail. How did that directly? Those two things like directly affect your writing? Oh, they definitely both directly affected my writing. Um, I mean, as did. So I was a weird case because I started out. I, the the biggest artistic influence on me uh, was probably Bill Watterson. Um, and in fact, I started out wanting to be like a syndicated cartoonist. And so I was drawing cartoons from the time I was in like the third or fourth grade. Um, I had my own strip starting in the fifth grade. Um, I even had comics carried in my college paper and I did a web comic called the life Quixotic for, um, uh, 
couple of years until I started to get professional acting work and just couldn't keep it up. Um, in college, I was like, well, you know, I was looking at the prospects of syndicated cartoonists and I was like, you know what, this isn't practical. I got to do something more practical. I know I'll become an actor. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I went to, I, you know, I went and I started uh, studying to be an actor, um, but uh, I didn't really fit in in the department because like I wasn't a theater kid. You know, I was a guy who, who wanted to do theater, but like that was also partially because that, you know, they didn't teach film at, at UK when I was there. So, um, you know, I went into the department and I even created a comic book while I was in the department called Ninja Roommate uh, that I, I drew and wrote and published at Kinko's myself and actually got it carried in some of the local shops. Yeah. Uh, you might still find an issue if you like dig through like A plus comics in Lexington, in Lexington, Kentucky. I think they may still have like an old, old issue sitting there for like 10 years. Um, yeah, but anyway, uh, so I, I didn't 100% fit in. Um, I was really big on, um, I remember the, I did a lot of martial arts too. And like the Shaolin Warriors came to UK and put on like a big show. And so for months after the words, I wouldn't shut up about how we needed to do a Kung Fu play. And yeah, and everybody was like, yeah, okay, you're weird. And I don't like you go away. Um, <laughs> I was connected on another level. I'm like a huge Bruce Lee fan. I studied Jeet Kune Do. I've read all of his books. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, I'm seeing the, 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 the he's got the you've got the figure in the background right there. Oh yeah, yeah, the little the import Japanese import. Mm -hmm. uh, surprisingly, for such a small figure, but yeah, very uh, very articulate. <laughs> I love, it. but yeah, huge Bruce Lee fan, and even uh, yeah, when I was young, I studied martial arts as well. So I'm with you. There's a there's a discipline, there's a peace, there's an inner an inner strength that comes from it, right? Did you did you get all that, of course, from from all of your trainings? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the styles that I do, um, and you, yeah, I'm sure you noticed in the first issue, like Rapunzel is patterned and as fighting after Bruce Lee. She does the one inch. Yeah, yeah, she does the one inch punch. She, she says "wata." Frankly, <laughs> that's a, a, one of the one of the many reasons I gravitated to uh, Snow White Zombie Apocalypse is because you did that little treatment, that little homage, little one inch punch on page. Loved it, and uh, I immediately just. Uh, Oh yes, you're holding it up. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I giggled and was uh, immediately on your side. Like from that moment, you got me. So like, it doesn't matter what you do from here on out. Uh, I'm gonna be a fan. But um, influences like like comics. What was? Do you remember what like your first traditional floppy comic read was, and and what kind of impact it had on you? You know, I don't. I had a lot of floppy comics. I never. I didn't collect as a kid. My parents would go to like BJ's and pick up like that big just pack of wholesale comics that were just completely uh disentangled so i remember um one of the comics from my youth that i remember really well was uh, a 64 i think it might have even been a 64 page um they were trying to launch uh the the new captain marvel legacy and it was uh legacy and the silver surfer and ronan the accuser um <laughs> And I remember freaking out because there was side boob in the comic and I had to show it to my mom because I was so disturbed. <laughs> Not that I was disturbed by the I wasn't disturbed by the side boob. I was afraid I'd get in trouble for having a comic with side boob. So I'm like, get it. There's side boob in this. Get ahead of it. <laughs> was your mom that way? Was she censoring, you know, going through pages of all your stuff? And was like, oh, page nine, some side boob. But you just thought in your head, you got inside your own head. But like, mom's yeah. going to find this. I might as well just come clean. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's how that went. She nice. she wasn't too much of a snoober, but she was pretty strict. Um, so I, I I don't know if I was heavily influenced by any of those comics. Um, you know, I can only feel pleasure when I look at side boob now, but no. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but what I was really influenced by was uh, Wendy Penny's ElfQuest, Wendy and Richard Penny. Okay. Um, their Elf their ElfQuest, I don't think was being released. Uh, in serialized format for quite a while while I was young. I mean, they've been doing it for years and years. I think they're still hefty, doing it. Some hefty hardbound, uh, some hefty hardcovers of ElfQuest, right? Yeah, yeah. But, and so, like, the the library, the local library where I was, they had all of these huge ElfQuest trades. And me and my next-door neighbor, we would check them out, and she would we'd like fight over who got the next one, and then we would uh, either read them together or separately, and then come back and talk about it and play Elf Quest in the woods, you know. Um, that far. So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm a giant nerd, and and oh. so like the that I think as far as comics, Bill Watterson, Wendy, and Richard Penny had a, a huge huge influence on me. Um, in college, um, I wound up being really influenced by Robert Kirkman, actually. Um, might be one of the reasons why I chose to, to write about zombies, because um, he uh, was a native of Lexington. And in fact, I met him right at the beginning, like when Walking Dead was first starting to take off. Nice. Um, yeah, he was signing at, at A-plus comics in Lexington. And um, I came in and I, I, I brought one copy of the reprint of Battle Pope, one copy of uh, my early, I think it was uh, like Invincible number seven. And um, I also brought um, like, I, I have like all the original Walking Dead comics. And so I brought in, I might've been like Walking Dead number one or something. And uh, he signed them and then he looked at me and he's like, there's only three comics. Do, do you have any more? And I'm like, yeah, of course I do. But you know, I didn't want to bother you. And he's like, no, 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 go get them. <laughs> so I drove quick, drove to my, my apartment, grabbed like a giant box of comics, went back and he signed like every one of them. Awesome. Yeah. Comics trades. It was, he was really, really cool about that. Um, so uh, I, I think honestly, his work has probably had a lot of impact on me though. I encountered it of course, much later in my life. Um, it's funny, he's published two of my letters, actually, one in, in the reprint of Battle Pope and one in uh, in The Walking Dead, I think, number 22. Oh, I'm going to look them up because I got I got them all, too. So uh, I'll, I'll check those out. Yeah, there's one. I'll, I'll, I'll confirm the number that it was. But I gave him my zombie plan to escape Lexington in the event of a zombie plague. <laughs> nice. I'll check my Battle Popes. Double check your Walking Dead. Let me know. And I'll uh, I'll definitely look it up because, yeah, I have all the floppies. So you and I have Kirkman in common. He, you know. I've met him a few times at some cons, and I had a short interview with him here on the podcast uh, years back. And and yeah, uh, uh, my comic book is a zombie comic book too that I'm working on called Zombie Destroyer. So I, I feel <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's influenced uh, my writing as well. But uh, going back to the the uh, unfortunate negative event you had in your life with your 25 year old friend, uh, and it did inspire you. What was what were um flip it for me and like what was maybe uh, something positive you remember that really has kind of always stuck with you that's given you that that influence and that drive oh yeah well i mean it was a huge thing like uh his name was adam and he was one of my first friends i, I had spent a year in boarding school like in a 
pretty ritzy uh, all boys boarding school. And um, when I left, I was worried that I'd lost the ability to make friends because I was somebody that had always made friends very easily. And I felt like I had no friends at that school. So uh, when I met up with Adam, he was my first one that was really important. And um, so when he passed away, you know, one of the things that threw me for a loop was, was just like, I really see his death as one of the major catalyzing moments of my life. And it also inspired directly um, one of uh, my most important artistic projects right now, which is um, I'm working on a started out as a play uh, that became a screenplay and now it's a novel, but it's called After All. And it is the collaboration between myself and uh, Rogue, the lead singer of a band called The Crew Shadows, uh, which you may or may not have heard of. If you've ever been to Dragon Con, you've heard of them. And I've been with them. That's one of the things that COVID is made so difficult uh, because they had to cancel Dragon Con this year. Um, but yeah, Rogue, the crew shadows are, imagine like Lady Gaga, but Lady Gaga's a guy fronting a mostly girl goth band and singing about angels in Greek mythology. <laughs> like that's crew shadows. Yeah. <laughs> I like picturing that great stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they actually, they, they managed to beat out Madonna and Beyonce for the number one dance hit in the world. And like Rogue's a total genius. And, uh, I um, was lucky enough to wind up to be able to collaborate with him because when my friend Adam died, the first thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to write a fantasy story set in the afterlife that was starring him, you know? And, and so, uh, you know, I, that was my whole idea that uh, to write this story that begins when the main character dies. And, uh, so yeah, I wrote that, uh, first as a play and I had encountered Rogue and the Crew Shadows, um, uh, some years before and had been really inspired by their music. Um, and so I met Rogue when they were touring through Cincinnati, um, at this little goth club they went through. And um, after the show, he walked into the audience and, you know, he's very gracious and very approachable and just pre-COVID. <laughs> so, like, he walked into the audience and uh, I eventually made my way and pushed through the crowd to go talk to him. And I was like, you know, your music has been really influential on me. And, you know, it, because of it, I've been able to hike the Appalachian Trail and I'm about to move to New York City and all this stuff. And he put his arm on my shoulder. He goes, cool, write a play, put us in it. And my brain was just like... And so two years later, <laughs> I had written this story uh, starring my, my dead friend as a play. And I realized when I first started writing it, I was like, this has to be a musical because no one will ever accept a fantasy play. Play theater's too serious for that. But, 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 but music warps reality to a certain extent. So, you know, altogether, I, uh, I, I took that and I used the Crew Shadows music as placeholders until I could find someone to collaborate with. And then it just worked really well. And so I emailed Rogue and I was like, hey, so two years ago, you put your arm on my shoulder and you said, uh, write a play, put us in. I did, here it is. Um, <laughs> and I halfway expected to get a like cease and desist immediately, but no, he was just like, that's really cool. And he read it uh, and then was like, I, I, I like it, but I want some changes. And the two of us have been collaborating off and on since then and the projects continue to morph and change and um uh we actually changed the gender of the protagonist um but it's still like uh it, it's very much still heavily based on my friend and i think he'd be cool with where we're going with it um <laughs> uh and uh yeah so 
we're finishing the the script for that directly and um that uh, aside from snow white zombie and um i also wrote a play called uh north Kamane, which is the first um play ever about the appalachian trail which is sponsored by the appalachian trail conservancy like those are the three big uh creative achievements of my life uh so far and all three of them are directly related to my response to my friend's death Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, you know Adam's shining, you know, looking down on you and smiling cause, and to turn that tragedy into such in such, you know, beautiful art. And that's great. And how you use your your theater background as well. And that that's just that's all beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. That's 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 just beautiful. So we yeah. got the negative and the positive. How about a weird situation, weird story, something strange? I love these uh, that have happened in your life that stuck with you. And no matter what you do, it always it's just kind of sticking with you like luggage. What's the what's the weird algae strange story in your life? <laughs> weird algae strange story. Um, let me think. Oh, okay. This one is the weirdest thing. I'm I'm hoping something should come of this uh, very soon. So. All right. Uh, one of the side careers I have is as a uh, professional wilderness guide. Um, and so like people have paid me to take them to Iceland and like, help them hike through the Icelandic wilderness along the Lagavegger Trail. It's like four days uh, uh, through Iceland. It's really cool. And it's a great way to adapt my experience as a through hiker. Um, so doing this sort of international adventure guided trips, uh, I've spent a lot of time in Iceland and I'm a huge fan of the country. Well, one of the days I was there and I saw in like a shop what I, this was about my first trip. I saw in a shop that there was like a, it looked like they were selling wolf skins. I think it might've been Fox, but to me, my brain was like, that's a wolf skin. And I came home after the trip and, you know, I'm sitting there drinking out of like a ram's horn beer stein that I bought. I'm wearing like an Iceland shirt. Uh, you know, I had a, a Viking necklace on and like, you were all in. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, yeah, I was so happy. I mean, Iceland, like literally it, it, you ever want to see a fantasy landscape. It, that's it. Um, it's the rings, right? Like the world. It's just like, it's, it's, yeah. it's Tolkien. <laughs> it, 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 it's the country that inspired Tolkien. In fact, there's a, a spot on Lagavager where there's a joke sign where it, it's like got the sign of the real places and then like a sign points off this way and it's like Mordor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, like I'd gotten back and I was, I was all in and I was talking to my, my girlfriend soon to be my wife. And, um, you know, I was a little, I was a little drunk and, and I'm just like, yeah, there were, there were these freaking wolf skins. And she goes, she's like, well, how did you feel about that? And I'm like, I think I want one. (laughs) She looks at me and she's like, Brent, you can't have a wolf skin. (laughs) <laughs> the Sierra Club will get so mad at you. I know, because they keep sending me these pictures of freaking wolf, of like bloody wolves in the snow. And I was just like, oh no, honey. Let's, <laughs> and I proceeded to improvise a monologue um, that I was supposedly, I imagined I was talking to the head of the Sierra Club. And <laughs> I improvised a monologue as to why I should be allowed to have this wolf skin. And it oh, started off with like, you know, Sierra Club, Sierra Club, Sierra Club. You like wolves. I can tell because you keep sending me pictures of bloody wolves in the mail. Those pictures are badass, Sierra Club, because they contain blood and also wolves. And blood is badass and wolves are badass, and especially when the blood is on a wolf and in the snow. So I guess what I'm saying is thank you for the picture. I put it on the wall with my other wolf photos. And 
Yeah, so I went on from there. I'm sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> inspired by something they had no intention of, of inspiring you, but you just saw it. It's just that's just metal. It's just it just rocks. Yes. I love it. I'm gonna hang yeah. it on the wall. <laughs> so this gets weirder, by the way. So <laughs> I, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I have fun with it with my wife and, um, I go to work the next day and I'm sitting in the office and I'm a little, I'm a little hungover and, um, but I'm still laughing about this and kind of giggling. And so I sit down on, uh, on Facebook and I write out the entire thing in a, a giant Facebook post oh, and I'm just like, should I put this on the Sierra Club's wall? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I put it on their wall to see how they're going to react. Oh. And um, it was only shortly thereafter that I went to Dragon Con because uh, I was reading uh, parts of the After All. Uh, pl- that's, the na- the, that's the name of the play turned novel. Um that I was reading with the crew shadows as like an official event there, which is so cool. You know, it's like up there on the same stage as like best-selling New York times authors um, sitting next to idol rock star. And so I'm sitting there and I'm at dragon con, you know, everything's going great. And I get this email. Now what's important to know is the end of the thing where I had the, the whole thing basically revolved around me asking the Sierra club if I could fist fight a wolf so I could deserve another wolf skin. Um, and I ended it with like, please phrase your response in the form of a howl. Oh, I get an email. It's from the Sierra club. And the first line is, <laughs> nice. yeah. And they're like, we love this. Um, can we, you know, uh, I, you put it on our wall. So it's like, it's our property now probably, but you know, we, we, we would like to make this into a, a fundraising video. Can we put you in touch with a filmmaker? And wow. I'm like, yeah, that sounds oh, great, crap. please. And I, I'm expecting it's going to be like some AV guy named Chet and he wears like, you know, a checkered print, uh, like, like flannel jackets. And I'm looking forward to meeting Chet. In my mind, Chet already has like kind of red blonde hair and stuff. <laughs> but I get an email actually. And it, and it and the email starts off and it's like, okay, so I'm in Canada shooting a Tar Sands documentary with Leonardo DiCaprio. And <laughs> Michael Bruton, the head of the entire Sierra Club, just busts into my tent. No uh, in- introduction. And, like, he-, he just launches into your monologue. And halfway through, we're laughing so hard, we're crying. Um, my name is Henry Juiced. I'm the director of such films as, like, Catfish and Paranormal Activity 3. And I want to make this into a-, a short film for the Sierra Club. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is freaking incredible it sounds great let's do this dream come true (laughs) yeah yeah so uh, you know that's been kicking around for a while um it it, but it's the craziest thing that like um because i you know got drunk and joked about wolves and posted it on the sierra club's wall you know I, i got an opportunity to meet this really cool guy um and you know i'm hoping the, the project sadly got delayed. It took a little while because they got a film greenlit. And then um, uh, right before we were going to move on it, Donald Trump got into office. And so, like, they were like, yeah, we, we can't be funny. We got to be serious now for a while. So who knows? But I'm, I'm really hoping that one day soon that my insane monologue will be made into a fundraiser for the Sierra Club to uh, benefit wolves. Oh, my gosh. That's that's a great story, man. How funny that that's turned into something from a, you know, a, a, a drunk fun night to uh, where it's grown to. Like, that's great, man. That's good. Good luck. I hope that 
that comes into fruition. I hope it, it happens, you know, uh, um, and, and you can keep on telling this strange story. I'd love to see where that goes. That needs to just go all the way to, uh, you know, uh, multiple movies and, and TV series rights. And it just, and it never ends for you. That would, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would really be incredible. And, you know, it's, it's funny too. Cause like, I, I actually really liked the, the character that I came up with, with that. Cause it was like a guy who was just like really into wolves, but didn't totally get society, but was just so excited to, yes. to fist fight a wolf so he could deserve another wolf's skin. <laughs> that's, a, that's also a comic in itself. You need to just start doing that as well. It's a beautiful idea for a comic. I can see that that positive, uh, you know, a guy. I mean, yeah, I see your face right now, but yeah. but you're right. Just the 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 naivete, right? You see the world through uh, the, the lens of this really positive natured person that's excited about one particular thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's writing itself, man. You, you need to do a comic for that as well. I, I, I will, I will talk to the folks at Scout and maybe Henry and, um, and Ariel and hopefully the Sierra Club and heck, we could release it as a comic form. That's a great oh, idea. Beautiful. <laughs> title, the title could be just, you could title it, Ow! or, you know, just, just, a, <laughs> this is, that's just working title. Yeah, like, <laughs> working title. Ow! Okay. Yeah. That'd be really <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm telling my agent about this tomorrow, actually. Yes. Do it and just just put me in the comic is all I ask. That's a bucket list for me. Just take my likeness and put me in there. I could be killed by some whatever. Yeah, you <laughs> can do that. I'll put that in there for for giving me that idea. Uh, I will I will I will make you a uh, an extra in that comic. Awesome. Um, which by the way, you can actually people can actually pay to be an extra in in Swaza. Um, it's one of the benefits on our Kickstarter, which is currently running, which I probably should have brought up much longer before now. <laughs> no, well, let's, I will lead you in there. Before we jump into Snow White Zombie Apocalypse, which everyone should get immediately, that's Brenton's comic. Um, what are you reading now? What are you, what are you into? What are you reading currently in comics anyway? In comics? Um, the most recent comic I read, um, was, I, I don't know when it was published, but it was, um, the, it was a prequel to, um, uh, the Elric series. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy who did it, but you know, you know, the Michael Moorcock Elric books. Uh, yes. I haven't read any of them, but I know of them. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, I, I'd been wanting to read Elric for quite a while because I, he kept coming up. Uh, Neil Gaiman is my favorite writer. Um, okay. and, and he, I believe mentioned uh, Elric in one of his short stories. And so I was like, what the heck is this? And I found out, you know, it's, you know albino with an intelligent black sword and stuff and i'm like yeah okay i need to see this um and so uh i was talking to my wife and i was like you know uh i really want to get back into reading fantasy um you know see if the library has any elric books and they didn't but they had these two incredible graphic novels and i i I hate it that i'm blanking on the artist's name um because he he did it really well um and, and they're these two great prequel novels to the rest of the elric series and one of the things that i love about it is they're so short but they manage to compress so much into so few pages with some absolutely incredible art. And it really shows you like just one of the real strengths of comics. If you really know what you're doing um, is to be able to tell that kind of large um, sprawling story in, in like two trades that are like this. Do they spend in Elric? I'm curious because maybe I'll read it. Do they um, do they do a lot of uh, sort of describing as to what's happening? Is it heavy text or is it no? They're really art driven, and you can see what's happening. There. Heavily art driven. 
Yeah. And it drops you in, in media res. There's not a lot of um, exposition, but you, you figure it out. And me having being only vaguely familiar with Elric and like having never read a book in the series, I still really enjoyed them. And I, I was able to figure out what was going on. So, yeah, I, I'd say that's my most recent thing that I have read as far as like new comics goes. I've also been reading like a lot of um, uh, of my fellow scout creators. Um, uh, their books have popped up because I've, I've backed their their Kickstarters and stuff. Um, yeah. Charlie Stickney, uh, his White Ash, I backed and I've, I've read that uh, recently. What is the comic, uh, the Scout comic that is the a young woman that uh, is going against the sort of um, the the mythological gods and there's sort of Zeus and and she's a young woman and that's a, that's one that I've been enjoying and I can't remember. I think that's a fairly new one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that we got we there, there's a lot of Scout titles, so I haven't read that one. Um, yeah, I, it, it, do you know the the artist's name? I'm doing a bad job at uh, remembering the artist of the new book. Yeah, both of us are. But, We're uh, going to get yelled at after this. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's going to call us. What are you guys doing? Uh, but anyway, um, thank you, Scout, and uh, I'll figure it out, and I'll give you a plug. But uh, let's jump into Snow White Zombie Apocalypse. Um, 52 pages is issue number one, and this cover is gorgeous. Uh, they, the original cover is probably my favorite. Uh, artist Hyundo Park. Did I get yep. that close? Yep, you did. Tell me about the assembly of the team. How did you get? How did you Avengers assemble this team together? Because it's hitting on all cylinders, which is very hard to do in comics. How did you gather them, and did you handpick them? Just kind of tell me what you did there to get them. So um, this was an interesting experience because it was I, I met Hyando in the way that I, I'm most comfortable with functioning within art, which is friend of a friend recommendations. Um, uh, I had met uh, another comic creator. Um, uh, uh, this was before I was I, I was strictly a theater guy at this point, but I loved comics and had the idea that I wanted to do Snow White Zombie uh, as a comic because it was a play first. Um, and so my wife bought me tickets uh, for my birthday to see Neil Gaiman uh, in, at BAM uh, in Brooklyn. Oh. And waiting three hours in the line to oh. get Neil Gaiman's autograph, um, uh, the guy and his wife who happened to be ne next to me were uh, comic creators themselves. Um, and so uh, I kind of was like, oh, how do you do that? You know, and um, he was like kind enough to talk with me, talk me through the process and uh, of how to go about pitching a comic. And he kind of opened up his Rolodex and sent me like 10 different uh, people that he knew that uh, I might work with. And one of them was Hyando. And uh, Hyando, I saw his art and it was phenomenal. And I, I was really intimidated, actually, because it was so good. But um, yeah, he agreed to work with me on it, and um, we produced the first uh, Snow White Zombie. So Hyando created the cover, and uh, uh, seven continuous pages of black and white art, um, you can see through here, now colored, uh, by Geo Butler, our colorist. And uh, I put that into a pitch packet along with, you know, um, positive reviews of the play, uh, a script for issue number one, um, and then a outline of the whole series. And I pitched that to a number of companies, uh, Image, Dark Horse, um, and uh, I also took uh, 11 packets to New York Comic Con. And uh, I went through and Pitched, I pitched IDW, I pitched a number of others. I, I don't know how many of them actually even bothered to read the pitch, 
Um, I have a feeling a lot of it just went in the circular file. Um, but uh, when I, I went to, I was like, had like three left and I was just looking around um, and I saw a, a, a booth uh, for, uh, and I just noticed that the, the artists at the booth were sketching and I was like, oh, so I went over and I'm like, hey, are you guys a comic company? And they're like, yeah, we're Scout. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, would you be interested in this? And they looked at it and they were just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, and so they uh, they were like, oh, you got to talk to our boss. And they introduced me to the CEO uh, of Scout Comics, Brendan Deneen. And he looked at it and about five seconds in was just like, I want it. I love that. I mean, just look at the cover. It'll, it'll go right off the shelves. And so, um, you know, after having an interview with him and some other comic companies and fielding a couple of pitches. I just, I really liked Brendan's energy and how quickly he had responded and the fact that he just even took the time to look at it when almost nobody would. Um, and so like, yeah, uh, that's, that's why I signed with Scout for the, for the most part. Like, that's and cool. so, yeah, um, that, that's sort of where the team came together from there. And then um, uh, David Byrne um, did Scout production for it. Um, and Geo Butler was a referral from another scout artist. Um, so, cause Kondo's an uh, excellent, uh, artist and he can do color just as well, but we wanted to get the book out in a certain amount of time. And so we were like, just, you just focus on the ink and, uh, I will, we'll get somebody else to do the color. And that's when we brought in Geo. Um, Kondo also did all the lettering for this book, which, and I really like his lettering in it. Oh, so... I'm a stickler for coloring and I'm a stickler for lettering. And did Gio do any of the texturizing or was that all Hyundo? Uh, the texturizing, you mean the, like the, the part of it, say like in the trees, like in page one, how, yeah, the purpling uh, has the line effect. Was that all Hyundo or did Gio come in and do some texturizing? Um, the, the, the line effect is all Hyundo actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, he actually, this book got nominated for two Ringo awards this past year. And, um, I think a lot of that is Hyando, but it was, um, for best inking, which Hyando was, uh, nominated for. And, um, uh, we also had, um, uh, best production and design. Awesome. I, and page one, when the lettering shows the musical, um, the note grid in the back, <laughs> Uh, I was already locked in. And then if you look at that tree at the panel one, page one, where there's little speckles of like, it looks like a sort of a larvae of some sort, or just, just the attention to detail there. I, I just said, uh, I'm already in yeah. from the beginning. <laughs> so if you haven't read this uh, listeners read snow white zombie apocalypse, you're going to enjoy it. Where'd this premise come from? Like where did it, what was the, the birth of it? Sure. Uh, well, I'll tell you, but hold on. There's something that I did want to point out to you. Um, because you mentioned about like Hyundo's specificity and whatnot. So one of the things you can get in a Kickstarter, I have Swaza posters that you can order and add on. But like this is also this poster is taken from like the last page of issue one. And I had looked at this page so many times. It's one of my favorite pages in the whole thing. Um, when I got the poster size delivered to me, I noticed work in this that I had missed every other time it, it's it Hyundo is absolutely an incredible artist and i was just so incredibly lucky to work with him and to continue to have a relationship with him um and so like uh yeah i just wanted to point that out now i'm sorry what was your question do, do whatever you got to do <laughs> to uh, keep uh Hyundo on the payroll trust me i mean even the basket uh that i'm looking at it like sort of page two there's just just sort of textural element there that 
uh, at the bottom of the basket. There's just little tiny little details that if you if you are a hardcore comics fan, you will pay attention and slow down and look at things here. There's some magnificent work being done. And did you? Uh, I love the panel design. I, I think that mm-hmm. uh, most of comics nowadays, to me, is how the layouts and the panel designs are are put together. Did you? Were you real hands on with that, or were you? Uh, hey, Hiando, go nuts. Do your thing. Um, we both. I think we 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 both had kind of a uh, push and pull with regard to that. Um, if you read my original script um, with it, I'm very specific about panel designs and what's going to appear in there. In, in there, um, you know, and but also I, I gave Hyando the freedom to be like, I was like, look, you're the artist here. You understand design in a way that I don't. Um, you know, I have a pretty good idea of like how a page should look, but if, if you can think of something better than what I've given you, um, you know, just do that. Uh, a really good example actually would be there's, um, we also turned this into a poster later on, but this bit here, um, and as you can see, this is a uh, Rapunzel's, uh, story when she's going into her, doing her monologue in her background, uh, yeah. and she's talking about how her hair got cut. Um, so if you read my original script, um, I actually had this that, you know, she's up kind of stroking her hair almost like it's a phantom limb. And what I wanted was I, I had written in the script that it was a two page spread and we were seeing her memories in her hair as the hair wrapped through the page as like almost ghost hair. Like that was my idea. Yeah. And Hyando took that uh, and I think he did something way better with it um, because Rapunzel, the character is Spanish Moroccan. Um, and so like he went and, uh, took the, um, really incredible, I forget exactly what the term is for this kind of art, but you see it in a lot of Muslim buildings, uh, where it's kind of like, um, they use tile to make these like abstract patterns. Um, yeah. And and that is what, so it looks like stained glass. And so we're, he's paying homage to like freaking beauty and the beast. But he's also, it's a layer in her character background. Uh, and then to see that crumble uh, in the bottom, like right corner, as um, she finishes her story and is pulled back to reality, I was just like, okay, yeah. that's way better than what I was thinking. With go- That's better than ghost hair. <laughs> ghost hair is also awesome. That, that, yeah. that, in, I, in my mind's eye, I can see what you meant to do with that and how the hair would be weaving the memories. Uh, they're both uh, pretty solid. And you're saying there's a poster of that particular page? Indeed, there is. Um, that's available in the thing. It's a it's a poster, so it's uh, 17 by 11, and it, all of the uh, basically it's this just with all the dialogue taken out, and it's Rapunzel's story, and it's one of the six posters that we have available on the Kickstarter. Oops, I just accidentally sent you my address. I don't know. I, <laughs> I just uh, came through. I was just uh, also I love the, the it's around page 34 where um, he weaves the action. Uh, this is action-packed. This is, it, it's gruesome, gory fun. Uh, yeah. Kill Bill comes to mind, into my head. Of course, the Bruce Lee homage in there. Um, it, it, it doesn't um, uh, strike me as, uh, for some reason, I don't feel like it's grotesque, but it's, uh, it's action-based uh, you know, sort of goriness. But when he does that large tree, it's another sort of two-page mm-hmm. layout again. Uh, with the tree and and the actions weaved in between the tree. Was that your concept? Was that Hyundos? Um, If I recall, uh, the tree, I would have to look back in the script. My memory is is that I was, I suggested the tree 
Um, though he okay. did a really incredible thing where he had, um, and this is the panel we're talking about, where he has, One of this my... is definitely his idea of putting her like uh, like she's growing out of the tree almost. Yes, and they're panel cuts. You use the tree as sort of panel separations because there's different action going on. Uh, home run. That is there a poster of that particular page? There is a poster of this as well. <laughs> Whoops! I accidentally sent you my address again. I don't know what happened. Uh, it's just weird that it keeps happening. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And this this bit here also, it's interesting um, how it went from the stage to the comic, because this bit here was um, in the original play. Uh, essentially, like what we had was. Snow White saying that each of the names and getting more horrified as Rapunzel reenacts like each of the the deaths like she mimes it um but it was like really funny so like this was one of the moments where like when she's just like you know, originally I had used um like don't tell Disney but originally it had been like the 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 normal seven dwarves names and then people pointed out that I needed to change them so, uh -huh. like, instead of Alvis, it was uh, Doc. Right. <laughs> airs his head off. So, like, Love people it. were absolutely losing it. And in the translation, um, this actually, like, Hyando actually played up the horror of the moment a little <laughs> bit more than the comedy. And I, I think it works really well, but it also shows how the dis distance from the from the violence where you're seeing people recount the story about it on stage is okay. funny but to actually see the violence right. <laughs> suddenly it becomes <laughs> horrifying <laughs> right and the humor in this um i was just really surprised with um where where's that where's that coming from from you like what what are some of the you know comic influences that that influence snow white zombie apocalypse like where where was your headspace at when you're thinking of some of the humor here so this is this actually goes back to something uh, that I learned in college. So in college, we studied a style of French theater called the the Grand Guignol style of theater, and it's it's actually puppet theater primarily. But this this was done, you know, um, so, like I don't know, maybe 1700s in France or early 1900s. I'm not exactly sure that I can't remember the period, but uh, the way it worked was was that they would do a night of short plays, and each play would either be comedy or horror, and they would they they would usually like they'd start with horror and then do comedy and then go back to horror and then do comedy and then go back to horror. Oh. And so what it did was the comedy made the horror more terrifying, and the horror in turn made the laughs even bigger in comedy because you needed to release the tension from being terrified. <laughs> That's so, unique. You can tell there's a delivery. There's a pace, right? That that mm -hmm. really did a really good job of capturing it. Thank you for breaking that down as far as where that came from. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. So th that's been my philosophy towards uh, the comedy of this. Like one of the big things I've always been big on with all my collaborators is is that the character. Th this is not a jokey book. It's a funny book, and there are jokes in it, even jokes that the characters are aware of. But the humor is. It's very. It's a very serious life and death struggle for them. Um, and then the humor just comes with us reading it and realizing how ridiculous the situation is. Yeah, it's uh, like a kick-ass action. It's like a kick-action, we can call it. We'll, we'll <laughs> kick-action. <laughs> Patented. <laughs> there you go. We're locking that one down. But, uh, I mean, man, and, and issue number two is uh, officially out. It, it, did it get the, as large of a page treatment as issue one? Because 52 was like a double bonus. Did, it, did two go that, that long? 
Uh, no. Uh, so basically, um, one of the concepts for this, and um, you were talking about my inspiration, uh, and this won't surprise you at all, uh, but a uh, big in influence on this series is Sandman. Um, and so one of the things that uh, I wanted to do with it is, if you know, Sandman changes artists every so often because dreams are weird. And similarly, fairy tales are weird. So it's been a concept from the beginning that this would be a series that was created by several artists, um, sort of linked by a general style and a through line. Um, uh, and my my new artist, uh, Luana Vecchio, who I discovered on Twitter, by the way, uh, I just was looking around and I saw her work on um, another thing uh, called Lovesick. And she's also worked with Image Comics. Um, I reached out to her and was like, hey, I need somebody to follow Hyando. I'm really intimidated as to who can follow him, but I think you can do it. Um, you know, uh, would you be interested in, in coming on and doing the next um, few issues? Uh, and she absolutely was. Um, and to, to fund it, uh, I ran a Kickstarter. Um, so originally I was kind of like, do I do 22 pages? Do I do 44? Um, you know, and I, it was going to be another 44 pages and that would be Luana's issue. But then I realized while writing it, I'm basing it on section. So like the, 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 the full length play is two hours and can be separated into a number of large beats and acts. So this, the 44 pages covers the events of about the first 15 minutes of the play. And then there's a natural break because that's the first 10 minute play that I wrote plus the fight uh, sequence. Um, then this period that Luana is writing, um, this carries over from immediately after. Um, and we uh, discussed like the rise of the zombie plague and how, how everything happened, a little bit of the backstory. We meet uh, the woodsman who is- Love yeah. the woodsman character. I also really love the angry green giant um, <laughs> slash swamp monster thing. I just love it all, and I love how it's uh, just sort of hinted upon. And then in your the sort of ash can, which is is the ash can sort of. I mean, it, the it, conceptual wise, it's on its own. Is that uh, introducing uh, issue three, or is that just a standalone ash can of um, sort of the uh, angry green giants? Uh, uh, the sort of what happened to them. Origin. Yeah. <laughs> so this actually is um, the Reign of the Blood-Covered King. This is the first. There's going to be a second one of these, at least. Um, this was created as a prequel um, to uh, Swaza because we overfunded on our first one. And so uh, people were asking, and I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do a prequel. I had no idea um, what I was going to come up with. Um, it's kind of a balancing act here. But um, uh, I had had the idea for... Uh, to introduce uh, Jack the Giant Slayer. And I tied him in with uh, the brave little tailor um, uh, kind of fairy tale. Every Everything that you see in Swaza, by the way, you can tie down to one fairy tale or another. Um, and so, um, like, I, w I wanted to give background on the giant, but Jack will show up later in the series. And I may spin him off into his own series because I really liked um, kind of what happens with him and he's going to, his stuff is going to get weirder and weirder, like okay. as, as it goes. I'm in, I need more of that. That is a uh, good news. <laughs> yeah. Good I also, I liked exploring Prince Charming's uh, past and um, also the, uh, his father, the, the blood covered King who, by the way, canonically sounds exactly like Tyrion Lannister. Uh. We're not Tyrion Lannister. Um, oh, Tywin Lannister. Right. Tywin Lannisters.
Yeah. That's uh, I, I love. <laughs> I just love the seven in one character and Jack and how uh, that the exchange. I don't want to spoil anything. You know me from Sunspots Comics. I don't spoil stuff. You guys got to read this. But uh, I just love the uh, the sort of um, unexpected story of uh, Jack here and, and the the sort of uh, the sash that he's wearing of seven in one and uh, the, the ludicrousness of that, if that's a word. Um, great. You just nailed it. I wanted more of it. I, I knew it was a good Ashcan when it was like, a, what, the, like n- nine pages or eight pages. And I'm like, no, six pages. Oh, six pages. Oh, there's yeah. a bonus treatment. There's some bonus uh, sketch art at the back of it, which I always appreciate. But uh, yeah, I immediately wanted more. So uh, that you left us hanging. And I think that's a good little kind of tease into where's episode three of Snow White Zombie Apocalypse. I need more. I just think that was a well-placed little, nice little six-page tease, if you will. You tickled yeah. a feather. <laughs> so, yeah. So th- there will be, um, since we have uh, already well surpassed our goal, there's going to be uh, number two of this, which you can get through the Kickstarter, so, uh, the current one for Snow White Zombie number three. Um, and I plan to, as I continue to run Kickstarters and hopefully continue to overfund, I'll be able to conti- to produce enough of this to work it into its own single issue comic, uh, or and maybe if people like it enough, spin it off into its own series. Uh, but Jack will be weaving back in with Swaza starting around issue five, which I just finished writing and I'm really excited about. <laughs> Excellent. What's the uh, so that's where I was going? It's like kind of what's next? Uh, Snow White Zombie Apocalypse. What's kind of the timetable? What can we expect? Where's it going? Kickstarter. Give me some. Give me some where and what's next. Well, um, so where the story will go without too many spoilers, um, you know, and I, I kind of talk about this in the video on the Kickstarter. Um, we go from, um, you know, the first issue is a double issue introduces the characters. Each issue after that is going to be 22 pages, just because I can get that out faster to Kickstarter backers and just keep things running that way, and that way people don't have to wait too long for their comics. Um, what I'm going to do, um, at, at about 22, I'm going to bend that rule when I feel it's artistically important. Um, so Luana is going to be doing, uh, issue two, issue three, and issue four. Uh, that'll take us through kind of a cabin in the woods, evil dead kind of plot line, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, working in certain fairy tales, um, uh, because the, ca- the the horrifying cabin in the woods that they found has been constructed entirely of gingerbread. Oh, uh, <laughs> And then from there, um, uh, I'm switching artists again. Um, I, I, I have locked down the artist, and he's doing it right now. Uh, I don't want to announce it officially yet, but you guys are, this is the biggest artist I've worked with yet. Ooh. And um, yeah, you guys are really going to be excited when you hear who it is. And um, the next uh, period, the art is going to take uh, a bit of influence from the Berserk manga. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so from issue five, he, he's going to handle um, the next major beat in the story, starting with issue five and carrying through, depending upon how that goes and how I'm feeling, he may ca- carry it all the way through to the end of the first arc or the first season, which is the the events of the two-hour play where we meet... Um, uh, uh, some new villains. Um, we have an, uh, a, a confrontation with uh, Charming's past that I don't want to get into too much as a big reveal in issue four. Um, and uh, we also uh, deal with the fairy that caused all of this because, wow. cool. yeah, yeah. Because it's kind of hinted at uh, both with um, blood, blood covered King 
and uh, also the the 44 page uh, issue number one. But all of this was actually caused because Charming forgot to invite a fairy tale a fairy to a birthday party. Ooh, and nice. <laughs> it's just a, someone that was. Uh, this is all vengeance for that for that <laughs> one small thing, that rude uh, thing that happened. Uh, well, that's great. I love that concept. Uh, the mother of all fairies. That's that's going mm-hmm. to be sure someone to reckon with. Oh uh, yeah. She's, she's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Well, fans, uh, listeners, you know me. I only have uh, creators and comics uh, that I truly enjoy. This gets the Sunspots comics gold seal of approval. Snow White Zombie Apocalypse, created by Brenton Langle, right here. Uh, where can everyone find you? Where can they get this? Six bucks for the first issue with, with how many pages are in there? What was it 52 pages? Uh, I think it's 44, but there were more, there were additional, like, it was 44 pages of story, and then there's, like, a bunch of sketches and stuff in the back, so I think, yeah, like, 52 uh, up by the end of it, because, yeah, we've got uh, sketches of the soon-to-be next villain that you're going to meet in issue um, three, which is the big bad Alpha Wolf. (laughs) yeah, we've got Nyx, the Black Fairy. She's going to be one of our arch villains for the first arc. This is an early sketch of the Woodsman by Hyondo. And this is um, this is Prince Dashing. Oh. There, there, there's an evil Prince Charming out there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and we'll run into him starting sometime after issue five. Um, yeah, so, I mean... Uh, yeah, it, it, it you get a lot for just that yeah. six ninety nine, and um, I you know this is this issue uh, was nominated for two Ringo Awards. It's the first comic I've ever done, so I I, fe- I figure that means people like it. <laughs> yes, congratulations, Brenton. It's uh, it's packed with action. It's gore. It's fun. It's got good humor. It's got an interesting story. Unique characters that you're spending some time with, actually developing and making interesting. And I love just um, Rapunzel's character. Uh, You know, I don't like to spoil, but um, gold seal of approval from Sunspots Comics, you guys. Get Snow White Zombie Apocalypse. And and Brenton, please, in closing, tell us where they can find you and find everything and get Snow White Zombie Apocalypse. Sure. Um, So if you want to find me, just Google my name, B-R-E-N-T-O-N, Lengel, L-E-N-G-E-L. My website is brentonlengel.com. I am revamping it. It's like 10 years old now. So if you go there and you're like, this looks like a garbage website from 2009 that that's why uh but i'm i'm revamping that um the uh the kickstarter is on its snow white zombie one to three kickstarter it's running for another 13 days i think we're going until december 17th at 8 a.m um we've already uh raised almost eighteen thousand dollars and i hope that the listeners can push us past the eighteen thousand dollar mark that would be wonderful or if it's already past that Please, please keep going because everything goes into production and what I don't use um, gets rolled over into the next issue. Uh, and the, the artist who's taking over after Luana uh, is, is a bit more expensive than the people I've worked with in the past. So please help me out there. You need it. No, I, I have no doubt that it's going to overfund. And congratulations on the success of Snow White Zombie Apocalypse. And uh, good luck in the future on the Ow! title. <laughs> uh, which I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm available as a consultant if needed. That sounds <laughs> really good. <laughs> I'm available, but thank you, Brenton, for coming on. And uh, please, everyone, listen to his words, follow his stuff, and read uh, Snow White Zombie Apocalypse. You will not regret it. Yeah. Also, um, if you can, uh, subscribe to my YouTube. Uh, I've just searched Brenton Lengel on YouTube, um, and uh, you can find me do, talking about art, politics, philosophy, and Buddhism. We're gonna put all. We're gonna put this on here, right? This whole thing. Yeah. On there, YouTube. Great. I'll be looking forward to watching us. Thank you, Brenton. 
And uh, Snow White Zombie Apocalypse, I, I, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure, a joy to read. I genuinely am enjoying it. I can't wait to read more. And uh, I accidentally sent you my address 14 times in case those <laughs> posters, anything you want to send me, I'll take it. But Brenton, have a great rest of the day, and thank you so much. And you got me as a fan for life. I'm going to just be tuning into whatever you do. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And yeah, I've been listening to your podcast as well, and I've been really impressed. Um, and thank you for taking an interest in the book. Uh, it, as, as an artist, uh, it means the, the world to me that people care about what I'm doing. Oh, it, it, synergy. It all comes together on Snow White Zombie Apocalypse from everything, like I said, and it's a rarity. So thank you, man. And uh, let's talk again soon. I'd love to have you uh, on again. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, after the uh, after the third issue or fourth issue comes out, I'll, I'll be I'll be hitting you up. Let's get you back on here and talk more about it. Great. And then I'll be able to I'll be able to announce my artist for issue five. <laughs> yeah, come on for that. That'll be great. Yeah. Well, thanks, Brenton. Have a great night. And uh, again, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Whoa, that was a ton of fun. Got a little weird slow-mo there at the end. <laughs> Tried a new uh, Skype recording software. And uh, apologize for the audio. I know it's not up to the uh, the typical Sunspots comics uh, standard. Uh, it had some technical difficulties with the new iMac and the Skype recording software and mm, Geek Squad stuff. But anyway, thank you again, Brenton Langle, for coming on. Snow White Zombie Apocalypse, what can I say? Go get it, go buy it, listen to the links that uh, Brenton was so nice enough to share there. I hope you really enjoyed that, because I did. He is going to be a creator that is uh, going to be in my mind uh, for for a, just a long time. For anything he does, like I like told him, I am a fan for life. So check out Snow White zombie apocalypse guys you'll just have a fun you'll laugh you'll chuckle there's uh, great little easter eggs it's the art is just gorgeous it hits on all cylinders the lettering the coloring it's just really super great stuff so thanks again brenton for coming on so until next week to be continued Comics now.